Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Hurry, go do it now. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the House of X is in effect, y'all, plus all the news that is news from DC Fandom. Plus, we might even have a special guest. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight, the podcast with the modcast with the X Factor that you love, but no Simon Cowell. So plunk the magic twanger and call me Froggy, because the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 889 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. And as Matthew said, we got a special guest. Those of you who were uh, in the Major Spoilers pre-show already know. But all the way from uh, California and sitting close in proximity to Ashley Victoria Robinson, one Jason Inman. Yay! Hello and salutations. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, Jason. What have you been up to, man? Um, you know, I've just been trying to keep my head down, trying to write as much as you can, because, you know, it's that words coming out of your brain is, suddenly becomes very difficult when there's a pandemic on. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And I'm sure just sitting at home all day, every day and uh, gets to be nerve wracking. Yes, yes, very much so. It's 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 sort of the idea of trying to control your stress so that you can not be overwhelmed while you're at staring at a blank page. Yeah. I can understand that, but you've been getting a lot of writing done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I have. Luckily, the one thing about this pandemic is it has forced me to be like, well, I'm sitting here in my office. Might as well write. So what are you writing? Movie scripts, TV show scripts, comic book uh, scripts, right, books? Right now, uh, so far in the pandemic, uh, well, we finished Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, Ashley and I, during right. the beginning of the pandemic. Right. Um, I wrote another comic book issue that's going to hopefully come out next year. And I've been working on two different pilots. Nice. Very cool. Now, these are for networks or are these for your own private kind of thing? Yeah, like a lot of times in um, the L.A. Los Angeles television writer industry, you're kind of always should be working on what they call specs. Yeah. And back in the day, it used to meant that used to mean a script that was like, oh, this is my episode of Frasier. But mm -hmm. now that means this is my original pilot that I hope to sell to Netflix. Now, most of the time, those scripts never get sold to Netflix, but they do get used to get yourself hired onto different shows to yeah. show your writing ability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's <laughs> and they're a just good, called specs. And it's a good way to show people what your capabilities are. So Exactly. Now, hopefully they do sell to Netflix and making me millions and millions of dollars, but more than likely they never will. But it's good practice. That's right. Practice that's right. makes perfect for when you become the showrunner of the next big Netflix series written and directed uh, that, by Jason Inman. Call Jupiter Jet. Let's hope. Oh, that would be pretty cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Now, would that be so? With that, let me ask you this, Ashley and Jason. Jupiter Jet mm -hmm. as a Netflix series, discounting pandemic, which is forcing more people to do animated stuff. Would you rather Jupiter Jet be an animated series or would this be a live action series? Why not both? <laughs> but Netflix That's is like, not... we've only got a hundred million dollars for one, Ashley. Please pick. <laughs> Um, I would rather do it as an animated series because I think that it would preserve 
more of that comic bookiness. It's the same reason mm, why mm-hmm. we are getting both a live action and an animated version of Invincible, but the only one I care about is the anime. I watch I'll watch both of them, don't get me wrong, but I'm so hyped for the animated one. And also because Loki, I want Jason and I to voice her parents. Oh nice. So <laughs> that's like the only thing Jason wants other things. Uh, when we sell it, I'm speaking it into existence. I just want us to voice her parents, and that would be more realistic in an animated scenario. Yeah, what about you, Jason? I agree. I kind of just think the energy of it would be hard to capture in a live action series if we, as you know, as we've seen, like just mm-hmm. anything flying is kind of hard mm-hmm. to not just do full CGI and not look great. So I'd rather just, yeah, have like a stylistic animated show that feels like Ben Matsuya, our artist's art. Would you want it to be in his style or would you be open to other people coming in and saying, well, we think this is the style that, that this should be? I, to be honest with you, I'd be open because I think I actually think Jupiter Jet could really lean into some anime, anime style type more, stuff, yeah. more so than what the actual comic is. OK, cool. Well, Netflix, if you're listening and we know you are, <laughs> uh, you know, what are you waiting for? Just reach out. You can go where can you find uh, Jason real quick on Twitter so you can reach out to him this weekend. And say, uh, we would like to discuss this Jupiter, Jupiter jet. Is that, is that what it is? Jupiter jet. How do you, how do the people reach you, Jason, on Twitter? Uh, at Jawin, J-W-I-I-N. Or, or Ashley, if they want to reach out to you, because they at may Ashley be a slightly B. intimidated by Jason. <laughs> uh, yeah, usually they want to reach out to Jason because they respect men more than women. But <laughs> you can find me at Ashley V. Robinson. I'm very easy to find on all platforms. And, and uh, I'm going to make a little confession to you guys right now. So, you know, it was not intentional. The Jupiter Jet, you know, you guys sent out the backer kit, get the digital copy, etc. I was up on Kickstarter today and I accidentally clicked on the frowny face for your project <gasps> because I was no! supposed to be clicking on the frowny face for the project right under yours. And well, it it's been a fun episode, everybody. Goodbye. It won't, oh, let no. me, it won't let me change it back. And so <laughs> I'm just like, ah, crap. I'm going to have to tell these guys that that one frowny face that they got is from me. And it was not intentional. It was totally it's by accident. Good. We'll so. let it pass. I mean, the advantage you have is that you have actually, as one of our Kickstarter backers, have already read, I hope, Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, or at least you've downloaded it to your uh, hard I drive. Haven't, I haven't downloaded to my hard drive. I haven't had a chance to read it yet because this past weekend was DC Fandom. Whoa! Now, I, I kind of just blew this whole thing off. I'll be honest, because when they announced this, I was like, oh, great. This is going to be as good as what we saw come out of the San Diego Comic-Con. And that, in my opinion, San Diego Comic-Con was just a bunch of, you know, Zoom Trailers. meetings. No, Zoom meetings is what San Diego Comic-Con stuff was. And um, some of it was pre-recorded and, and that was fine, but I just didn't really care for it. Bad audio quality, bad bad everything but dc fandom came around this weekend and yes i pretty i'm pretty sure all of it was pre-recorded but man it was very impressive with what they put together ashley did you get a chance to watch some dc fandom stuff I did. I did not watch it live because like San Diego Comic-Con, I like to experience all major media events through the power of my phone. (laughs) So as it was happening, uh, I was living on Twitter, watching everything stream in. And actually, as Jason and I were on Instagram live, that is when the Batman trailer teaser, what are we calling it? I think Uh, it's a trailer, right? A teaser teaser? 
Yeah, I mean, they did a really good job at cutting together two weeks of shooting footage, I guess is what we should respectfully call mm-hmm, it, because mm-hmm. well, that production lot. Is not long, was not long for this world before we had to stop. But yeah, we were like live and people were like, what do you think? And we're like, OK, I guess we'll watch it right now. Yeah, they got I a lot out of that trailer. Some, for Some insidery knowledge. I do know for a fact that most of it was pre-recorded. That's that's I mean, you could tell. I mean, I you can't confirm that <laughs> you cannot. And I mean, you cannot. They were doing. I mean, I watched the um, part you of the James Neil Gunn's Gaiman. Going to sit on like Twitch all Saturday afternoon. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that they, and the fact that they didn't have like true fan interactions through chats or anything like that. Um, I watched part of the Neil Gaiman when I was like, oh, they've got a nice little hosted intro. They're switching back and forth between the video, and it's definitely not you know a voice triggered kind of thing. It's well thought out and how they were editing the the pieces together. So it was clear that it was all pre recorded. Um, but I will say I was, I was greatly impressed with what they did. Now I kind of wish that they would have taken DC fandom and instead of just keeping on the DC fandom site, which I can understand why they did it because at this point they need to show AT&T that DC is, is worth something worth keeping around and they needed the numbers on that site. Um, but uh, this is something that they could have also put up on HBO max. This is something they could have put up on YouTube. This is something they could have put up on a DC Facebook page. They could have put all this stuff up there for people to watch at the same time. So. That's only, I guess that's my one minor complaint. Rodrigo or Matthew, did you guys get to watch any DC fandom? Not as it was happening. Okay. Um, just because work and stuff. Yeah. Um, and also because um, I'm, I, I really wasn't excited about the Batman stuff. And that's kind of the first stuff that trickled into my feed. And I was like, this is literally what I was like, I was like, Oh, uh, here, here comes the new Batman stuff. I don't know if I'm even <laughs> going to watch this. And then the, the Steven that lives in my head was like, Hey dude, aren't you part of like a podcast that needs to talk about this? And I was like, Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I'll watch it. So what did and you guys think? What did you guys think about this Batman trailer? Again, if it's just two weeks of stuff that we've seen, they had a lot of stuff in there for two weeks of stuff. They really did. And I feel like, all right, so here's the deal. I'm not the guy who was going to be psyched about this Batman movie. And I'm not the guy who's going to see this trailer and think, oh my God, now I have to. Yeah. But I feel like there's some things in there that I don't want to say new because, I mean, it is a Batman movie. And I feel like as a Batman movie, there's kind of a a well-oiled machine, a groove in which they're going to operate. But I feel like they did some unexpected things. I feel like it's a younger Bruce. It feels like it could be something that's not... Just another Nolan film. Which, yeah, no, this is this is, is what I really worried about. Yeah, no, this is based on year two, uh, the year two uh, run of Batman. Uh, the thing that really kind of surprised me, and maybe it's maybe it's because they're kind of emphasizing the year two, but it's clear, and and you can read who's all in in the movie, but uh, Penguin and Riddler as the villains. But I have a feeling that there is a second or a third, but really a second villain that will be yet revealed in the story i have a prediction about who that is and who do you think it is uh jason because i want to oh you think it's hush i do i really think it's hush especially since they're going to be going with a younger bruce Mm -hmm. and also there's a couple shots in the trailer where we're obsessed with duct tape and i was like you know what's really easy to uh uh update duct tape to bandages Mm -hmm. seems very similar Okay, so I can okay, I can kind of see that if you want to put the Tommy Elliott thing in, and and it seems clear that they are trying to lean on more newer, uh, you know, Batman stuff. But 
all the letters that are coming from and they, they kept stressing this again and again in the trailer are the letters that are coming from the quote unquote Riddler to Batman to the Batman. Uh, and then at the end, when they're saying what when it's coming out and it's supposed to be 2021, but it's question mark. Oh, question mark one. That could definitely be the Riddler. But what numbers are they covering up? Twos. They're covering and, up the month and year that they don't know when they're going to be finished yeah, by. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be 2021. Uh, but then they also have this whole thing where they're wrapping up someone's face. And I keep thinking that the surprise villain is going to be Two-Face because, I, you know, they kind of. I, again, I can see that, too. They could go back to the last uh, Nolan or not the last one, but the uh, second Nolan film where we have the introduction of of Two-Face and the creation of Two-Face. But this really feels like because if it is supposed to be year two that he's still a district attorney and he is slowly starting to let his mental um, problems come out to the forefront. Like it was in, was it year one or year two where, you know, he comes out to be the big bad and is the one that's killing everyone and, and is going I think, home. I think it's uh, long Halloween, long Halloween. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Year so. two is the, uh, it's, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's uh, it Frank Alan Miller? Davis art. Oh, isn't it Frank Miller that did year two? I think it was David McElhinney, uh, oh, okay. to be honest. All right. All right. I thought year uh, two was Alan Davis. Yeah, Alan Davis did the art. Did he Did he write it too? Oh, no. No. You're sorry. My apologies. That's cool. We got a second Wonder Woman trailer or a third Wonder Woman trailer. <laughs> I think maybe too much was spoiled in that. Really? I feel like too much has already been shown, but that's my deal with most movies anyway, I feel like Wonder Woman writing the lightning, but not in that way of writing the lightning, um, <laughs> like was probably like at a big, important moment in the movie. But I'm like, OK, so we're just going to lead with that. OK. <laughs> I definitely think this was the trailer that was supposed to have aired at WonderCon. 2020 before that was uh spoilered and i will say that i hope that is the case because cheetah did not look as slick as i was hoping she was mm. going to and i hope it's just because it was not a final render and then they were like well we're not going to re-edit this trailer just because the character design is finalized now yeah just because we hadn't had a chance to yeah to um work on it since then i think i the reason why i think they spoiled too much is because they focus too much on Max Mercury or not Max Mercury, uh, Maxwell Lord saying, I'll give you anything that you want. I'll give you anything that you want. And then, of course, Steve Trevor's there and you're like, oh, this is that. And um, of course, Lego sets came out months ago because of Synergy and Dorito bag bags came out months ago because of Synergy. And I think that watching that trailer and looking at the Lego sets and knowing who Maxwell Lord is really spoils a huge portion of the movie. In, in that trailer, in how that thing it's, is set up. It's possible. I mean, honestly, at this point, the thing that you're talking about is really the only thing that Maxwell Lord is remembered for. Uh, other mean, than being murdered, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's what uh, Matthew's well, talking about, is that moment where Wonder Woman snaps his neck. The thing that leads up to the murder, yeah, the, the actual thing. That's what Max Lord is known for. I mean, that's what we saw when he yeah, appeared. That's what people remember. Yeah, when he appeared in Supergirl, we were referencing that constantly. So... Yeah, I can definitely see it. But you also have to remember, you know, you do work for major spoilers and you have a brain that puts things together. I'm not sure if everybody is going to be as spoiled by it because I saw the trailer and I was just like, oh, I mean, it looks good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's no way that I'm not going to go see this, um, providing the, you know, that it's safe to go see this. So and you're definitely not going to go see this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, knowing yeah, how they're really holding, is. they're really holding to that November date, huh? 
They're going to VOD it. You know, they're going to VOD it. It'll be fine. Uh, well, I don't know. That's that's a whole other discussion that we should bring in an, another time, because I think with what Disney is doing right now, it's going to really change. And I think Warner Brothers is dead set on getting these movies into theaters, as evidenced by the new tenant thing with uh, now mm. let's show it in uh, drive ins instead of theaters, because, you know, this is a theater going experience. Oh, no. I heard that they were not. Yeah, they were not doing that. They're only they're that's on- not how it's supposed to be seen. Yeah, they're <laughs> only doing it at drive in theaters where your local theater is not open. <laughs> if that makes sense. You know what? Don't tell me how your movie is supposed to be seen. I'll decide whether I watch your movie yeah. in a drive-thru or on my couch with no pants on. Yeah, nowadays, even no pants on. Even Sorry, pre-coronavirus, it's so difficult to control the end-user experience that mm-hmm. you almost should just let it go, man. Like, there are people that are going to watch your movie on their phones, and that's that. And not even with like headphones on. They're just like the, the movie's just <laughs> going to be bus. playing on out the loud. Bus, yeah. 100%. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Jason, do you have some thoughts on this? Because I don't know if you've weighed in on Tenet and, and uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, desire to keep everything in theaters, etc. No. He's muted. He's muted. Oh, are you there? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, my bad. Uh, I have a secret theory that I think um, there must be like a release bonus connected to this movie that oh, yeah, Christopher Nolan's going to get some bank. Yeah, most definitely. Because um, like, why else wouldn't they pu- they push this movie? Um, I don't know, man. Like, to me, here's the thing about Tenet now is that this has been built up for so long now that mm-hmm. unless Tenet is the most perfect movie of all time, we're going to think it's not as good. It's going to like it's kind of a wah wah. Knowing that he likes so much practical effects and watching a lot of that stuff play out backwards as forwards that's got to be hella impressive to watch again and again and again in that movie so i'm i'm excited about seeing that but my understanding is that in his contract that it specifically said the movie had to have a theatrical release before vod speaking of tenet though was everybody excited to see the video of tom cruise seeing the movie in london with a mask on i didn't even see that yeah, so there was a thing that went across on Twitter like late this afternoon today oh, yeah, where yeah. Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie went in mass together to a theater in London to see Tenet. And and to me, I'm like, did Warner Bro- how much did Warner Brothers pay you guys to make that video? Well, don't they have right? to wait? What who's Mission Impossible? That's not Warner's, is it? That's it's Paramount. Uh, Paramount. Okay. Yeah, it'd be but weird. But I wonder if Tom Cruise has a Warner Brothers movie coming up in the pipeline. He probably could. Awesome. Well, or he wants to work with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, maybe. Speaking of things that are in the pipeline, Suicide Squad movie, we got our first look at that. And uh, it looks all hella Guardians of the Galaxy 4. (laughs) Look, Harley Quinn has her best theatrical costume to date, and that's the only positive thing I have to say about Suicide Squad. You know what? I'm going to say another positive thing, and it is a costumey thing. I weirdly was so excited to see Rick Flagg in a yellow t-shirt. Yes. I was excited about seeing what's his name with the, uh, with the explosives in his head. Oh, uh, all of them. No, no, no. The, the what's his name? Comedian. No, 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 no. It's the member Matthew. There's the guy that is so dumb that his helmet peacemaker peacemaker is is made of plastic explosive. Yes. Yes. And he carries plastic explosives on his head. And you know, that's something that I was like, Oh my God, that's a comic accurate peacemaker. It is. What the what? And Polka Dot Man is is costume accurate too. And and you know why? Mm -hmm. Because they're going to kill him. Well, 
partially, but because James Gunn comes from uh, having his, uh, or, or it comes from the now an actual like Marvel school of movie making, and the yeah. Marvel school of movie making is find what's fun about your characters and do that, man, mm-hmm. as opposed yep. to find what's fun about your characters and make sure you kill it and do Batman instead, which is the DC or uh, Warner Brothers uh, school of thought. Yeah. So yeah, that. Part of the reason why I'm excited about this is because I feel like we're going to get a Marvel movie starring DC characters. Yeah. And also you get to see James. Well, you don't get to see James uh, Gunn's brother, uh, but you but he's in it as well as Mary Poppins is in it, too. So well, um, James Gunn's brother is always in it. But yeah, I'm like my thing is looking at this and going, OK, who are these guys playing? And I went through this whole trailer and I'm like, I can't identify the orange girl. Okay. I think she's newer. She is. It's, it's like Moga or something like that. Yeah, It's, it's, uh, it's a uh, Mongol's uh, sister or whatever. She yeah. Is. yeah she's, she's like a Jeff Loeb, 2000 Superman yeah, yeah. character. Mongal is terrible. I'm not going to see this. But yeah. Matthew, who was Nathan Fillion? Cause he's like TDK and I have he's, no idea who oh, that is. TDK. I thought he was peacemaker yeah. for some reason. No, no that's, that's John, John Cena. Oh, John Cena. Okay. Well, who's Rick Flag? Joel uh, Kinnaman. Oh, okay. The same guy. From All these the white one. guys look the same. I'm I know, right? Billy and playing the Colonel. I don't know. At the end of the trailer, I swear it said TDK. Yeah, TDK. There's, there's a there's like yeah. Nathan there's t- Philly because they there's a there's like a, a second video. Trailer. Yeah, yeah, character trailer. So you can actually go find the character trailer, and it tells you who everybody's playing. Um, and I'm pretty uh, yeah, sure that. Says, I'm pretty sure Brendan Fraser is in here as Sergeant Stone. I don't know if that is. I I assume that it was a thing like uh, Next Waves, um, like, who is it, like the General, or what was his name? Like the Oh, the Captain, where it's like, TDK probably stands for something nasty and we can't show it to you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I have, just looking at this, I'm seeing ridiculous people saying that they think he's arm fall off boy. Now, I don't know if that's true. I hope it isn't. Because, frankly, honestly, Arm Fall Off Boy is a perfect wouldn't, character for what he is. But wouldn't be appropriate for Suicide <laughs> Squad, though. I don't know. I mean, they got the polka dot man. Yeah, but he's a villain. Yeah, but yeah, you can, but you can just repurpose whatever, you real, know. Real quick polka on, dot man is not particularly... Uh, well, neither is, kite, neither is Kite Man, but look what they did with uh, the Harley Quinn series and how they, they used him, so... Uh, what do you guys think of the Black Adam stuff? I mean, we only got like sketches and stuff, and I hear that the JSA are going to be in this thing. Yeah, what is that for? Like a, a feature length movie? Because yes. I'm watching this and I'm like, wow, getting the Rock to do your motion comic sounds extremely expensive. Yeah, no, it's a live action. They're claiming that they're doing a full on movie, and I know that they're talking about. Uh, I know that they have claimed that they have a cyclone, and they've cast an atom smasher and i think they're looking at casting a Hawkman, and i'm just like jeff johns is getting paid <laughs> um i don't know i mean this is my thing i want to see dwayne johnson play black adam because he's been psyched about it for about 10 years yep. i don't want to see dwayne johnson play black adam in an adaptation of the terrible conduct storyline well for the that's, 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 exactly that's what that whole thing is playing up as conduct 
Yeah, I, I don't want to see that. That was an incredibly depressing and, quite frankly, in context, relatively meaningless story. And I feel like, you know, if we're casting Adam Smasher to try and get that big moment of, oh my God, is Adam Smasher turning evil? But you've never heard of Adam Smasher, and we've never seen him before, and the vast majority of the people aren't going to really know or care who Adam Smasher is. I don't know that you're going to get the same weight out of it, you know? Yeah. It's, Speaking ask of, me my complaints about Legend of Korra season one, and I'll say something similar. You uh, have there to are introduce zero, the characters. There are zero complaints care. about Legend of Korra zero, uh, year, year one. Legend of Korra is I, just mwah, French kiss Legend all of the Korra way. Legend of Korra season one needed three more episodes in order to pull off what it wanted to do. Yeah, I don't great. think so. I, I don't feel, feel that. I feel great. that. Uh, yeah, Legend of Korra didn't get a... Uh, Legend of Korra had a lot of problems, most of which were external. Major character shows up in sep- in episode ten is a big factor in the battle in episode eleven. I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Episode twelve, season over. Bye. No, that's not right. Don't do that. But anyway, well, speaking of, uh, let's fans. not do that. Zack Snyder's Justice League got a got a trailer. Oh man! And it certainly got some apocalypse guys, in there. How much? How much? How much were you cheering when you heard "Hallelujah" for like the fifteenth time on a Zack Snyder thing? I was like, yeah, "That's I, really I was, not an appropriate song." To me that everybody who could not have hated on him more for everything he's done at Warner Brothers uh, suddenly took their heads out of their butts and was like, "This is gonna be the greatest thing." It's just it's. It's so interesting what this movie represents in terms of like the fandom and fan culture and reactionary culture and like a post MCU world. Um, But hey, if you liked other Zack Snyder movies, you'll probably like this one. Because it is other Zack Snyder movies. I mean, I've already got HBO Max, so uh, oh, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna it watch sure. this, and again, I've seen Watchmen. I, I know how this goes. I've uh, said this earlier that I'm I'm really interested in this out of morbid curiosity, not a sense of oh boy, I get to see, I really get to see this Justice League movie, and it's going to be so much better. I'm not in that camp. I mean, it might be better, um, but I it's more of a Man, there was just a bad accident about two miles up ahead. Let's slow down and rubberneck and look at this thing. It's kind of the camp that I'm in on this. And, I, and again, this could be a fantastic movie. Don't get me wrong. If it turns out to be a fantastic movie, I'll say, wow, this was a great movie. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, as Ashley said, this is a bad, a bad sign, a bad omen for creating stuff for the fans. As opposed feels, to creating stuff for art's sake. It feels like a parody of itself, just based on what I've seen. And, you know, don't get me wrong. If you want to see this movie, more power to you. I hope you get the movie that you want and not the movie that I feel like we deserve. But I also feel like... I. This is my thing. When you say to me, we are going to cut this movie and we are going to do the cut that I wanted... But he's on the record as saying that they didn't get to record everything that he wanted. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to use anything that the other director did. How can you have a complete movie? And the answer to that, to me, really feels like uh, Princess Leia in Episode 9, where we're going to do the best we can with what we have. And that's that's great. And again... If that is what you need from your movies, go love this movie, live it, learn it, know it. But I'm just looking at this, you know, this three minute trailer and I'm like, man, this feels like somebody 
doing a parody of Zack Snyder. It feels like something that was put oh, no, together, it's, at least it's, to it's, me. It's totally Zack Snyder. Well, yeah, but it's, it, that's it why it's called like the Snyder Cut. Saying, hey, how can I how can I do something that just screams out Zack Snyder? How can I make my fan film resemble so Zack Snyder? When did this, when did this movie originally come out? Like four Justice or five League, years ago, twenty seventeen. Yeah, wow. twenty seventeen, okay, November. So, so like three years ago, three plus years ago, mm-hmm. or five hundred years ago. Who knows right now? Mm-hmm. Hey, I know but I mean, time, man. But I mean, this is at. At the time, Matthew, before Zack Snyder kind of stepped away because of of his personal uh, stuff that was going on, it was peak Snyder. So, I mean, for this to come out is just saying this is Zack Snyder, everybody. This is if if this looks like a Zack Snyder film to you, it's because guess what it is. And so yeah. I think that that's kind of the I guess that's the point of this whole thing is people want Zack Snyder. Here's Zack Snyder up cranked up to Zack Snyderness. Well, there is. And there's a lot of uh, that. That's. The, the issue with this movie is that uh, Justice League was not well received, primarily by critics. And this fable manifested in the fandom that the reason for that was actually Joss Whedon's interference, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when the the idea of the Snyder cut came out as as if S- Zack Snyder had completely finished the movie with special effects and everything and was ready to go and then they were like nope we're going to chop this up and do something else right it's like obviously he exited the process before probably a lot of that stuff was complete mm-hmm. um and this idea of like a, a a perfectly preserved pristine movie just being somewhere in an archive uh, just kind of took hold and Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder have done nothing to dispel that because they want your stupid money. <laughs> and so they're willing to play into this kind of terrible idea that, yes, in fact, there was some weird conspiracy to keep Justice League down and to bomb the reviews, even though it's kind of objectively just a mostly boring movie with some you know cool action set pieces um it's just like the fact that they're going like yes we agree with you our worst fans and so we're going to give you this just as a gesture just seems incredibly terrible to me but rodrigo Um, dark side I, I don't know if you guys saw the the thing that I posted, but uh, Mortal Kombat has a character named Giras and has like a joint thing because Mortal Kombat belongs to um, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Uh, they uh, they did a skin for Giras, a dark side skin, and it looks better than that dark side. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, though. It's the weird thing. And I, I saw a lot of people complaining about Cheetah and the special effects and and dark side and the special effects. And that's the reason why, like, yeah, Ashley and I have that conspiracy theory that the wonder woman trailer was the WonderCon trailer and they just didn't update it. And the Snyder cut of justice league literally probably got put together two months ago, three months ago. Mm-hmm. So we're lucky that that dark side even looks half that good. Like th- th- we're, it, that is so many un- uh, unfinished special effects in that trailer. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting. I don't know. Did they give it an official release date on on uh, Justice League? Or are they still saying 2021? May. May, May next okay. year. May of 2021. So you've got eight months. Almost, yeah, eight months before you get to see that thing. So they'll they'll be doing a lot of $30 million work on that. 
Uh, can I, the, can I have plenty of Perry Mason to watch between now and then on HBO Max? Is there? <laughs> is there really? Can I can I tell you guys what I'm most excited about out of DC Fandom? Yes. What? Yes. That Suicide Squad video game. Yes. I wanted to talk about that because I. So let me. What are your thoughts on this, Rodrigo? First of all. So my thoughts on it are that I saw the Avengers play yes. video game and I'm like, this looks insanely boring. Um, <laughs> oh, you should I've play it. It's a lot of fun. Been, I've never been into the Arkham games, but I did like the Spider-Man game, which honestly borrowed heavily from the Arkham uh, mm-hmm. mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I saw the trailer for this game and I was like, this is going to give us or this has the potential to actually give us some innovative gameplay within this genre. The fact that you are not playing Superman, but trying to kill Superman and or Batman or Wonder Woman or whoever else, like the is actually Justice going League. to give us. Yeah. Suicide Squad kills the Justice League is the best idea for a video game that I've heard for a while. So I, I did you watch my gameplay? Is that why you thought it was boring for the Marvel Avengers uh, beta? This past week, uh, no, 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 no. I, I didn't. I, I, I'm usually working when you're yeah, uh, when, when you're screening. doing your let's plays. Um, I'm sure I would have a better opinion of it if I'd actually seen you play it, Stephen, because um, you're very entertaining. <laughs> I'm also very bad at the game, uh, but yeah, I spent a couple hours uh, streaming this last Saturday, and I was kind of both frustrated. I mean, it's a beta, right? So there's a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff missing. There was uh, several gl- big glitches in the game when I was playing it, but this idea that when you go on your missions. You can play it either solo and then you get the rest of your four slots are filled out with AI versions of whatever Avengers have been unlocked. In my case, Hulk, uh, Iron Man and Black Widow. And I was Kamala Khan. Um, Or you can co-op this with four of your friends online. And I thought, oh, that can be I can see once you start going on the missions, once you're beating up aim agents, uh, this could be a really fun game for co-op. And I'm not a big fan of co-op. Uh, I'm a fan of playing it solo or not having it. Um, When I saw that Suicide Squad has basically the same idea where you're going on missions and you can either solo it with three AIs or four player co-op, I was like, oh, this is exactly the same Marvel Avengers game, but on DC. So I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about that game, too. I don't know what a shark. You, you know, you it's funny because I feel exactly the way Rodrigo feels and I didn't see your gameplay either. But yeah, I, I let me ask you this, Stephen. Do you feel the errors or the mistakes in the beta can fix it enough to make it entertaining? I mean, so a couple of the missions that I went on, it was just me and the Hulk. It was just Kamala Khan and the Hulk. And they were throwing a lot of stuff at me on a normal play. I didn't have the other two players unlocked. So it was just a a two on way too many. And so I got defeated a lot and it was getting kind of frustrating because there are a lot of button combos that you have to push to get the, the powers to trigger just right. Like you have to press the square button five times and then hit the triangle once to do this one move. And it's like, man, I'm never going to remember any of that. So it's just, for me, it's button mashing pretty much the way you play mortal Kombat. It's just mash the buttons and hope you get to do some cool finishing move. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was that so much of what I consider the story is missing from from the game, or at least I feel like, oh, this should be where a cutscene needs to be, or here's where some excl- explanation sure. needs to be. That I felt like, well, I'm going to go ahead and spend my money on this in hopes that all of that stuff that they're not putting in the game is in the game next weekend. And they're probably hiding spoilers with that type of stuff too, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like if it is, if the Suicide Squad game is like this, 
I think it could be a lot of fun. Now, where the Suicide Squad game might want to amp it up is maybe you can take on AI Justice League members as the bad guys, or maybe you do four on four and you open it up to Battle Royale type situation where four people get to play the Justice League and four people get to play the Suicide Squad and you get to see who wins on those missions. Or, uh, oh. you know, like I said, a Rumble or a Battle Royale situation. Or like um, that monster game where like you like one team plays the hunters and then just one other person yes. plays the monsters. Like one person gets to play Superman against four Suicide Squad members. Yeah, yeah you could do that as well. Um, what what Suicide Squad uh, kills the Justice League movie does not need is Fall Guys uh, because I hate that game. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad that I that I didn't buy into that. So there you go. Uh, also, I'm actually really surprised, Stephen, that you didn't bring up Gotham Knights. That's what that I was going to say. Game. Gotham Knights looks very interesting. Now, I have not played the Arkham games. Um, Gotham Knights is also very interesting because you get to play as Robin, which I th- I don't know which version of Robin this is. It is con- I think it confirmed it as Tim Drake. Tim Drake. Even though, even though he's in Damien's costume, they did confirm it as Tim Drake. Okay, well, that's good because I was looking at this going, oh, it's Damien. Eh. Red Hood, Batgirl. <laughs> And is there a fourth one? I thought there was a fourth. Nightwing. Nightwing, right. So Batman's dead. So this is following the um, Court of Owls storyline because Talon shows up at the very end of this thing. Uh, but you can play this as either single person or you can play it as two player co-op on a lot of these missions. Uh, so I think that that's interesting. Um, not having played the Arkham games, Jason, have you played the, the Arkham games? Maybe you might I have, have some better perspective on this. Now, now, here's the funny thing about this that I think is genius and also weird because this is a Warner Brothers games. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is not Rocksteady. And it feels like it is following the Arkham series, but they confirm that it is not attached to the Arkham series at all. But if yeah. you watch that trailer and if you play the Arkham games, you're like, Oh yeah, this is like Arkham city four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of genius in that I mean, way that they're, that they're I'm, playing off another series. If I'm, if I remember they get correctly, Kevin Conroy to like voice like the, no, it is through? a, I believe it's the guy who voiced Batman in, um, Batman Arkham origins, which was the unrocksteady Arkham game. And if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know all the game companies and who's involved with what, is it the people that did Arkham? Aren't they the ones that are doing the Suicide Squad movie? They are. Yeah. They are, which is, I think, or the not the movie, but the Suicide Gotham Squad Knight. game. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting because Gotham Knights does look straight up Arkham. I find it interesting that you do get to play the Batman family. Now, there's no, unless it's something that you're going to unlock later, maybe only as a PS5 exclusive, where you get to unlock uh, Alfred as a, as a playable character, and as the talent attacks Wayne Manor, you get to take them down one by one. Stop making this better, game better, Stephen, please. <laughs> but as soon as I saw the talent show up, I was like, oh, so they're really playing off the Court of Owl, uh, Owls and the Death of Batman line that we had ten, uh, six years ago, seven years if ago. If this has an Alfred and Ace the Bat-Hound bonus level, man, this is going to be the greatest game ever made. <laughs> <laughs> so you're excited about this. Yeah, if, if there's like an Alfred level where you're just like walking through a dinner party and making sure that everybody's glasses are filled, like I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> press press F to refill refill glass. Yeah, or, 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 <laughs> or, or a, insert pun here. Yeah, it turns into a, a semi-Burger Time game where you're Alfred trying to fill everybody's <laughs> yeah. uh, glasses as quickly as possible. Matthew, are you? did you take a look at any of these games? Were you interested in any of this stuff? Not really. I mean, kind of like Rodrigo, I want more uh, gameplay like the Spider-Man. So I looked at the, I'm not even sure which one it is, the one where you can play all of the, the mini bats. Yeah, that's Gotham like, Knights. Yeah, it looks interesting. And it looks like it might be something that I would play, but it also feels like I always have that worry of 
when there's multiple players, am I going to have to have the always on connection? Am I going to have to go and join a group like Overwatch, which, you know, I wanted to love that game, but I wanted to love it by myself without being shot that's, by that's, other that's, people. That's so. how I like to play too, Matthew, so I totally understand that, which is why I yeah. like what Suicide Squad does, where it's either you can play by yourself with three AIs, or you right. can go online and find four of your friends to play. But I don't have four friends. Uh, I'll play with you. I'll, 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 you I'll let you friends. play killer. I'll, uh, well, I didn't say, I, I said I'll still play with you regardless. I can okay. play, um, I'll play a dead shot. And you can play Killer Shark, and then we can, maybe we can beg Rodrigo to come in and play Captain Boomerang, and let Jason play Harley Quinn, and we can just go to town and see, and see what we can do. Can I sing the song? I'm a shark, I'm a shark, I'm I'm a shark. shark, Yes, you can. I'm a shark, I'm a shark. Except he doesn't play in that trailer. He does not play the dumb, the dumb shark. He is super intelligent, so... That'll be, that'll be Yeah, I'm not sure if that's King Shark or Killer Shark, because they've both been in the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, Let's see if there's anything else. There's a lot of stuff that was covered at DC Fandome. I will say again, I was very surprised at how, how well they pulled this off. And I, and I don't know, I have, I have two theories on this, Jason and I, and Ashley, and I think uh, both of you should, should weigh in on this. Sure. This one weekend was not all of DC Fandome. There was supposed to be a whole bunch of comic book stuff that was going on simultaneously as all this video games and movies and TV stuff that, that was, was playing out. That is correct. They have split that off to September 12th. That is going to be the second part of DC fandom, which will focus all on the comics. Now I have two thoughts on why they split this either. Number one, they saw everybody going in and setting reminders for the panels that they wanted to go to. And they saw overwhelmingly that it was all media stuff. And they said, well, we better do something and push this all (laughs) over to to another date. So it's just comics so we can get a second run of this. So that's my, that was my initial thought and probably is the more accurate one. My conspiracy theory one is, Hey, we just fired like 30% of our DC staff and all the things that we pre-recorded have to be redone because all that stuff we were going to talk about is now no longer happening. I think it's a little bit of column A and column B. Okay. I really do. I think you're right on both counts. I, I think they were worried about, the comics being overshadowed. And also I think that some of the comics they were going to announce, yeah, are absolutely not going to happen now. And of, and of course there's been, uh, you know, there's been a regime change of who's mm-hmm. in charge and what's not going to happen. And, um, Jason, you were, you were not the host of that panel. Were you that DC panel that, that time where DC was like, Hey, we're going to do a whole press conference online. And that was kind of a proto fandom all those years ago uh, i know you and ashley were no, there no that was actually tiffany um, Oh, right. Okay. that was when they announced dc rebirth at 2016 wondercon mm-hmm. yeah and so i i just have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of that stuff being scrapped and reshot for september 12th and that's why it I wasn't agree. like hey next weekend come back and we're going to do this all again with the comic book side it was like hey we need about three weeks to get all this stuff together so i also think they might need to uh I think some of that secondary stuff was probably going to be hosted by some of the DCU mm-hmm. hosts. And mm. I'm not really sure how many of them are still under contract. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there might be. A, yeah, I, I I just truly and honestly do not know. So that also might be like a scrambling for like, oh, these like, quote unquote, like uh, stage two events we have to figure out who's going to be leading that discussion now yeah yeah because uh, obviously dc daily is is over oh yeah that's right i forgot about that 
Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that'll be very interesting. So, uh, for those of you that missed out on DC Fandom stuff, I have links to all of the YouTube videos that DC and others were able to share. We had access to all of that stuff, but let me give you a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff, and maybe I'll talk more about this on um, the VIP live chat that's coming up this Saturday for our gold-level patrons and higher. I could have taken all the stuff from the DC Fandom press site and put it up on our YouTube channel and then put that up on uh, the Major Spoilers website. The reason I did it didn't is because every time I do that, we always get the copyright strikes from the algorithms on YouTube. And it's just like, why am I going to suffer losing the entire channel? Because I'm posting something that is Warner Brothers that told us, please go and post this yeah. and share it. So I'll talk more about that this week on the, the VIP live chat that happens Saturday, one o'clock PM central time. I think Rob and Matthew are going to be there this week. So you can ask questions about all sorts of cool things. But that is why we didn't post the videos there. But I will have links to all the videos and, and some extra stuff, including Static Shock and Milestone Comics and and some other things, Flash, uh, in the show notes for this episode for you guys to go check out. And I think, Ashley, you're still doing something with um, Did You Hear? Do you have a wrap up of that? Yeah, it's up now. Oh, OK. All right. That's what I get. That's what I get for taking my kids to the doctors and all that stuff in the afternoons. That's also what I get for taking too long to read the email that says, yes, you know how to do this. It's going to be fine. So, yes, it's all up there. People can go check it out. And, you know, it's there was so much that went on. So I definitely welcome people saying, why didn't you talk about this? As long as I say it kindly in the comment section. Well, I mean, there's things that we didn't talk about that Ashley talked about two weeks ago or last. I don't time, uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Ben, ben Affleck <laughs> reprising his role as Batman in the flash movie. We did get to see a little bit of stuff uh, that hints at what could be in the flash movie in the justice league trailer with, um, uh, apparently Barry or yes, Barry bumping into an Iris Allen of a different universe in that trailer. So, you know, there's all sorts of flash stuff that we could have talked about too, but, uh, yeah, a lot of good things going on. So, Thank you, everybody, for, uh, you know, checking out our DC Fandom. If you want to hear some of our pre-show discussion about, I think we were talking about action figures and G.I. Joe in the pre-show. You definitely want to become a patron right now at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And if you want to get in on that VIP action, uh, again, it takes place this weekend, uh, whatever that is, August 28th, 29th, something like that, whatever that is. Uh, How is it that March lasted six months, but August is three days long? I know, right? Uh, but that's a, it's going to be September in a minute. Shut up. <laughs> and then it'll be 2021 and then we'll be able to see the new Batman movie. Oh, also, one of the things that they did mention, let me let me talk about that real quick. They did mention that that upcoming HBO Max series, the Gotham City Police Department series or whatever that the that HBO Max series is. It is a prequel, a legit prequel to the Batman uh, movie. They they said that, that that it ties in with with what's going on in the movie, so people will uh, maybe get a kick out of that. So there you go. So did Agents of Shield in season one, and then they quickly ignored that. But oh well. Yeah, I mean you can only go so far. But I think uh, well anyway, just GCPD it up, Gotham Gotham Central it up, and uh, everything will be fine. But don't Gotham it up like that Fox series Gotham. Gotham it up. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did not like that. By the way, that show is not called Gotham. It's Gotham. <laughs> Gotham. Yeah, because that the is way correct. They, it their is kerning is. Yeah, their kerning is really, really bad. Anyway, I'm sure many people are like, "Man, we love it when Jason Inman comes on the show." And what? you're right. We love it Who when Jason Jason Inman is on the show as well, and that's why uh, we want him to be here as often as we can. I was able to lure him in this week because I said offhand, <laughs> "Chocodiles." Um. I said, hey, we're going to be talking about the House of X in a couple of weeks. And Jason's like, can I be on that show? 
And I'm like, heck yeah, let's talk House of X. And then I said the week after we're talking Power of of 10. And he's like, can I be on that one too? So uh, as things stand right now, Jason is here this week and next week. Yeah, so deal with it, everybody. There you go. Anywhere, at least for two weeks. All right. So a little bit of uh, mea culpa here um, because I only I never read this when it originally came out. Granted, it just finished like seems like three months ago. It it wrapped up. Uh, It's probably been longer than that. But everybody is buzzing about House House of X and Powers of Ten and what Jonathan Hickman was doing and kind of redefining the X-Men universe. What I didn't realize when we were building the schedule and seeing when this was coming out uh, I didn't realize that these two were interconnected with one another. Like the way that the, yeah. the actual trade paperback that is out now, it's issue one of House of X. Chapter two is Power of Ten. Chapter three is House of X, Power of Ten, et cetera, back and forth. Yep. Uh, I ended up reading these as the trade paperback is was presented. Jason and Ashley, I know both of you have read all of the issues and I know, Matthew, you have read all of the issues. I think I did a disservice to Rodrigo because he was like, hey, what are we reading this week? So I don't know. I said I, I we were messaging each other back and forth yesterday and I said, well, you kind of need to read them both. But we're really only talking about House of X this week. So I don't know, Rodrigo, did you only read House of X? I read House of X and then I read the first issue of powers okay. of x or 10 or whatever yeah. it is but i didn't get a chance to read the the whole thing okay so we'll we'll try to re- confine everything to just house of x stuff which i think be impossible I, well, there are literally scenes that are that appear unchanged in both yes, series. yes yes especially the whole Moira x uh bits uh are unchanged but there are some things that are like I believe it is a house of X uh, issue where they go out into space and they're on the space station and they're blowing everything up and everybody dies. Like literally everybody dies. And you're like, Holy crap. We just saw Wolverine, uh, Cyclops, Jean gray, um, uh, Ashley's favorite uh, Nightcrawler. So beautiful. (laughs) And I forget who else was on the, on the ship. Um, Penance. Yes. Come on. Uh, Yes. Oh, I wish Penance was on there. Uh, well, M is penance now, apparently, somehow. So we see them get totally wiped out on this mission, only to come then into the Powers of Ten issue, and we see how they're resurrected and the explanation of how this all works and, and those kinds of things. So you're right, Matthew. I don't think we can have a complete discussion about them separately, but House of X is all about the mutants finally coming together, getting international recognition uh, as a people and as a country, and then all mutants essentially coming to Krakatoa, not Krakatoa, uh, Krakoa, Krakoa. 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 <laughs> and clearly, clearly a Krakatoa uh, reference. Yes, but, right. And, Krakatoa, and, the Beast of Java, is what it was actually referred to. And establishing their civilization and figuring out by the time you hit that final issue of House of House of X that they have created this civilization that should hopefully for centuries to come be a utopia and everything is going to be, is going to be fine. And then of oh. course you read powers of 10 and you're just like, Oh wait. So I, I'm just curious since Jason, since you're our, you're our guest this week, what do you love about the house of X series? Or do you, do you love it? Maybe you hate it. I know you uh, we were no, talking I, before about X-Men and, and uh, the animated series you growing up as a kid. No, I do love it because I think the biggest problem in creators working on X-Men is that they want to keep it stagnant. 
And it's one of the problems of comic books, right? It's the eternal second act. You can never give an ending. And X-Men are always this comic book that are begging for the ending that they can never get. Um, and so because of that, writers leave the characters in very stationary places. I mean, how many years were they in the Westchester mansion? And just, you know, mobs were always there outside the gates yelling at them. And you're like, how long can we do this? So the thing that I found so refreshing about House of X when I was reading the single issues was just how different and how forward thinking it was. I, I love the idea that Jonathan Hickman bakes into the series is how future and futurist these mutants are now thinking like they're open i mean there's even the secret about the um the wolverine cyclops gene relationship and it mm -hmm. doesn't bother anybody yeah I, I, yeah they really i i will agree with you on that so again when i heard people talking about this initially when it was coming out they were just like oh jonathan hickman is basically redoing the entire history of the x-men and i'm like mm, really that should be interesting because i thought that's why we were reading a grand design um but this is more like, here's my plan and here's my thoughts on how the X-Men go to go to that next step. And essentially, the argument is being made by Charles Xavier throughout this thing is, you know, we've been wanting to live side by side with everyone all this time. Maybe we just need to stop this and say, we're we're going to be your superiors and we're going to essentially treat humans. I don't want to say essentially treat humans like pets, but essentially, hey, if you want all of the benefits that we're going to give you. You know, if if we're going to bring you the uh, to serve man cookbook, then um, you're going to have to recognize us as your superiors. And that's really what House of X is, is getting the United Nations and all the mutants together to basically say, yes, we are the homo superior and we're going to move in that direction. And by the end of the House of X, six issues, it's kind of that way. Right, Matthew? It is, and I, I feel like that's the strength and the weakness of it, because the strength of building this up, the thing that I really loved about it when it was coming out was that it wasn't all the usual suspects. Uh, House of X actually opens with a focus on Doug Ramsey, of all people. And, you know, we see the moments where we're like, oh, well, who are the key mutants in this new world? Well, there's Gold Balls and Tempest, who you've never heard of, and then there's these, you know, other people who are these minor characters who are being elevated to new roles, but the older characters are still there. You still have your Colossus, your Nightcrawler, your Storm. But I also feel like the weakness comes in when you recast everything from the ground up, as we have. We're rebuilding kind of everything that the X-Men and really the concept of mutants means. It does kind of... It, it it saws off a lot of the rough edges of characters and it, you know, there's a lot of complaints about these people are completely out of character. They're not out of character. Their situation has changed or their character has literally changed. Yes. And as we'll find out in powers where, of X. Yes. Yeah, but you come to a point where it feels a little culty. Um, the, the resurrection sequence after all the characters are killed in I think oh, yeah. house of X four. Yeah. Ve it, very yeah. culty. Yeah, and we'll talk about that next week because I kind of was a little disturbed by that to a point. And I and again, I don't read X-Men. I have a lot of childhood traumas about the X-Men that I've kind of hinted at before. So I just try to avoid them at all at all costs. And but, reading this, you know, I kind of feel like 
they didn't help their problem by the time I got to the end of this. They've actually made it worse because of their approach to humanity this time. You know, the thing that that the humans fear, the Homo sapiens fear, is exactly what the mutants are doing or attempting to do in House of X. Um, and it, and it seems very scary. And you're right; it does seem very cultish. Now, Rodrigo, I think you're also a huge X Men fan. What did you think of this this direction that the the mutants are taking as they're trying to develop their own culture and society and language and you know basically everything? This is kind of something I think is in your wheelhouse, right? Like how do you build a society? Well, here's the X-Men sure. doing it. Yeah, it's it's uh I've got I have some complex feelings about it. I I feel that um weirdly uh the idea of the mutant ethno state has been around for a long time and mm-hmm. for a long time it was like oh this is something the bad guys want to do the good guys want equality and freedom in like the normal world and then it kind of became something that like the good guys wanted to do and i feel like there was that whole thing of like genosha right whereas like where the x-men were basically doing this except there and like cyclops was a jerk mm-hmm. um yeah and and then uh, now we have this, and it's like really is just like okay, yeah, looks like a a place where like humans live over there and mutants live over here <laughs> is what the mutants want. And I just like think about it, and I'm like, yeah, man, the X Men were always a terrible metaphor for civil rights because if you are the downtrodden, you don't have the resources to you know f off somewhere else well unless and... you are legion of superheroes tyrock and then you have the ability to do that well that's what i'm saying it's... <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly what i'm saying that's not realistic you know that's not yeah. that's not so it's like well it's funny that you mentioned what Genosha. are the x-men who are the x-men what do they want mm-hmm. and it's like at at this stage i i just can't see the shape of them it's like they're like saber tooth you killed one person during this mission so we're gonna throw you in x-men jail and it's like oh by the way welcome apocalypse come hang out with us all sins are forgiven yeah and it's like what i mean don't get me wrong i'm happy to see exodus and like marrow off in the corner over there don't think i didn't see that and the like omega sentinels being brought back sort of into active continuity fun good stuff lots of x-men lore here but uh it's like what are you getting at x-men what are you saying it's interesting you mentioned the genosha uh experiment or whatever that they called civilization 1.0 because that ended with you know 90% 90% of them being uh, eradicated, right? And so yep. this feels like the 2.0 version of that experiment, but only this time they're being more aggressive about it. And, you know, and I think it's in House of X, Matthew, when they, when they realize the humans have built not a um, master mold, but they've built a mother mold, which creates master molds, which then creates sentinels, which will eradicate the entirety of the X-Men population. It almost feels like Oh, you should have learned from your previous mistake because you're repeating it again, but only on a grander scale. Yes, that is in House of X. That actually takes place. Uh, that is the mission where all heck breaks loose yeah. and the people die. So yeah. I, that's another example of something where the story doesn't seem 
to me to be saying what it thinks it's saying because the the humans are like we must create these robots to protect us against these evil mutants who will come in and destroy everything and in order to refute that the mutants come in and destroy everything i know right so I, i'm curious i get it i'm curious actually what your thoughts are on this because um jason made you read this he was like you're going to read this because it's so awesome and I'm, Jason I'm, showed me pictures of Nightcrawler and said, you should read this. <laughs> and then he showed me pictures of Cardinal, who we'll get to next week, and yeah. said, you should read this. It's also, great. I want to say, just for the record here, I never force Ashley to read anything. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's it's more of a, like an enthusiastic pastoring. Yeah, it's very enthusiastic. And, and, and I, <laughs> I respect Jason's taste that when I know he recommends me something 99.9% of the time, it's something I really do enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It, it's so hard to try to talk about these two things separately. I know, right? And that's my mistake. So I apologize for that. It, you know, had I given Rodrigo enough heads up, he probably could have read everything in order. You know, that it was released and is supposed to be read. And so then we could just have the grand conversation. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys. So I that's, didn't, that's I my didn't fault. Know. I was I was literally sitting there like changing the file names of being like why is this stuff like number one number two just delete 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 just name it what the issue is like, <laughs> literally like somebody went through and like did that for me and i was like i have no idea what this is the scheduling yeah. of this series is a little weird i mean that is the that is a very fair point to concede yeah. even like we were reading it when it came out and and the digital release you still had to hop between the series like it, it's mm-hmm. it was like reading Spider-Verse, right? Except Spider-Verse did a, a bad version of the collection and House and Powers have the reading order of the collection. But a- anyway, yeah. um, it's really interesting for me to listen to everyone's criticisms because that was not something that I super, super dwelt on. And I think it's because I, I don't really care about um, Apocalypse or Sabretooth. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, this is fine. This scans for me. Um the thing that I was most fascinated about was the Emma Frost of it all, because she's mm. a character I do not like. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of like uh, when we were talking about X-Men Red, X-Men Red by Tom Taylor was the series that for the first time I was like, oh, I get Jean Grey. I get why people like her. I get the value of her as a character. And this is the first time for me with Emma Frost where I'm like, oh, I get it. I don't hate you anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed reading this series. I thought it was really deep and I thought it was really forward thinking, but I think it also. I think we it can also. We critical of things we like. It's totally no, 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 no. fine. <laughs> uh, no, I think that the problem, though, is uh, I think it was Rodrigo said there's never been a, you know, there, you're always stuck in the second act. That's this, uh, Jason. Oh, Jason, this this series does keep them stuck in that second act, though. Well, that's true. And, and and the one problem with this grand Hickman House of X powers of 10 reboot is that the minute Hickman is off this book, the next writer is going to like blow up Krakoa and destroy all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we we know that's coming. I mean, that's actually not a bug anymore. That's a feature of Marvel's of the actual publishing plan. But for me, that's kind of a shame. Because this literally espouses itself and sets up to be a reworking of the entire mutant design forever, including 10,000 years in the future, what these realities are. And right now, we treat this as though this is totally real, kind of like we did with, you know, when um, 
Grant Morrison came in and revamped New X-Men in 2001. Mm -hmm. Lots of new, lots of wild, lots of crazy stuff. Here's a future reality that's totally the future of, of actual real reality, you guys. It's totally not just another alternate world. Well, and hmm. it is now. But I think, especially as we find out in Powers of Ten, which we'll talk about next week, all of those things still happen, right? All of those, all of those things still happen, but they don't because of, of Moira. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that that is kind of the fascinating part, but because we know what is supposed to happen a hundred thousand years from now, and we know, you know, the stuff with some of the bad guys that pop up in powers of 10, that if he needs to make sure that that story plays out the way it, that he's laid it out in this giant blueprint, which is what this, this collection is, he kind of does keep himself stagnant all this time. Because we get to see, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but for Rodrigo, but so much of what happens with Moira in Powers of Ten, she's already used up all of her lives to put yeah, a little yeah, that's, spoiler that's in, in. That's in yeah, House. That's in okay. House. Oh, that's in House. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing is, though, it's like, this is this is a huge left turn for the x-men right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. although i i feel that it's actually a pretty in-character right turn for the x-men if you've been <laughs> reading x-men comics and you've re read again the uh, uh the genosha stuff if you read age of apocalypse if you've read any of the cosmic x-men stuff this is actually well within x-men oh sure like like within their wheelhouse mm -hmm. um but this is a setting that needs to be explored and I think part of the reason why um, it does kind of feel like, okay, we got here and now pump the brakes. Let's kind of, let's just kind of walk around Genosha before we take a mission mm -hmm. or, or not Genosha, but a Krakoa. Let's just walk around, talk to individual characters. It's like, oh, who's this little green girl? I don't know. Um, it's just a random NPC that we met. You know, uh, like you need that because it's been such a huge turn. And not only that, but, there's there there isn't just one new setting for the X-Men between these two books. There's what, like three in, in yes. essence? Yes. Um At so least. you need to explore all of them, which does kind of switch you over. And I and I think it's a big reason for like the big kind of like watchman style, mm -hmm. like now here's text. Yeah. Well, um, okay, so like, that's glad you brought that up because that was gonna be my next question is again. I'm not a huge fan of the X-Men or their entire history. And so as Hickman is planning out, you know, here's my blueprint for everything I want to do with my run of the X-Men, including the upcoming Sword of X, which is going on now or just about to launch. Um, there are pages of text and graphics, which I think is all well graphically designed, just perfect yep, in the yep. layout and all the design and stuff. But there are huge blocks of text saying, Here's what a Nimrod is, and here's what Nimrod 2 is, and here's what Doesn't Nimrod 3 is. Doesn't it remind you, though, of East of West, of, like, it these kinda, designs yeah. aspects? It kind of does. It reminds me of his work on Avengers, too, when he was and doing the, the Avengers news. world book. I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a Hickman thing, yeah. but there's also a real temptation, as I did when I first read these books, apparently, to just skip it. Because I was reading some of these texts, and I'm like, I've I've never read this before in my life. Oh, I read this I, comic. 
I remember laying down reading it and saying, I don't want to read all these words. This is a comic. Yes, exactly. That's how I felt when I read this the first time. But then I think it was the minute that the X-Men. No, I think it's when they start talking about the different types of societies, which, you know, the the types of universal societies that that, you know, Hickman uses different names. But there are these types of societies that uh, scientists believe are out there. Then I'm like, oh, this stuff is really explained. This isn't just filler stuff. This is stuff right. that's that's filling in the question marks that you have about, well, why the heck are they going yeah. into a black hole? In, and then it's like, oh, really, well, here's the reason why. Really, it's the opposite. It's necessary. This is yes. mostly exposition. Mm-hmm. And it's it's written as documents to like as kind of in world documents a lot mm-hmm. of the time to make it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's like you find out what a mother mold is through this. Yes. Like, and why, and why that's relevant or a threat as opposed to just a different name for a big old sentinel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jonathan Hickman is like obsessed with graphic layouts because I believe he was a graphic designer before he Mm. got into comic books. And I read in an interview while this was first being published that he said that the reason why they decided to do the infographics was because that was around the time when all Marvel comics were like no longer uh, $3.99. Like there were these books, I think were around like they're more, they're a little bit more pricier. They're, they're a little bit more expensive. And he thought that the infographics was a way to make you feel like you get more awesome. bang for your buck and Added value to be honest, to be honest with you, I kind of like them and I kind of like the idea of, trying to push the medium of comics a little bit further because Mm -hmm. I always hate when I, even though I read it in Watchmen, I don't like it when comic book writers just like, here's a prose passage. I'd rather see something more like this. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I really like like that. I like them too. I thought, I thought they were a good way of conveying information. And again, because they're mostly infographics and things like that. Um, and, uh, it kind of makes you read them because also they have variable amounts of setting relevant information. Like some right. of them are really crucial. Mm-hmm. Some of them are like who gets to sit next to apocalypse in yeah. the council, you yeah. know, and it's right. like, I just, has to, I, I just like the, the iconography that they use to designate, you know, everything like here's the symbol that yeah. we use to designate this intergalactic culture. And here's what we do to designate this society or this, you know, and then the whole Moira timeline, and I don't know if that's in House of X or not, but the that is. The, the Moira timeline of all of her lives, I found super fascinating. I really love that. And unfortunately, because we're reading this in a digital format, I don't know if in the original print, if it was a giant fold out, because if it was a giant fold out, that would have been awesome. No, um, they were they were page size. And this is, you know, also that's something else that ties it all into that cultish feel because it's all secret societies and hidden symbology and, uh, you know, it, a messiah with knowledge of the future. Yeah, it puts it all together and it makes it feel like, you know, you are now delving into these secret archives of these Krakoan X-Men and all the, the wacky craziness. But I feel like there is one thing that we see in house of X that is absolutely inexcusable for me. And it's brilliant and it's a great idea and they never should have let him do it. That big old head. Nope. It is the metatextual use in story of the trope that death is meaningless in comic books. They have now made this part of the X men's life. Oh yeah. Yeah. They've made Yeah. They had that is a huge miscalculation for long term storytelling, as far as I'm concerned, because well, 
it makes for a, it makes for a great story. I mean, Matthew it makes is for just, that wonderful moment. Matthew's that, just mad because now he can't say, well, technically Jean Grey only died once because now technically she's died twice. No, Jean Grey has died three times. And more importantly, I'm not the guy who says technically anything, so <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the, the thing about the X-Men is that the X-Men are constantly in this boom and bust cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, Every once in a while, somebody comes along and is like, what if Batman didn't have all his gadgets? And, you know, they take all his gadgets away. But every second or third writer on the X-Men is like, what if the X-Men didn't have all of this extra stuff? You know, what if they didn't have Shi'ar technology? What if they didn't have, like in this case, you know, a giant island that can teleport places and can, you know, basically, what if they didn't have all these resources? What if they went back to basics? Um but now we're in the cycle where like the cycle is like these huge swings It's like what if the x-men had literally infinite resources and then after this somebody's gonna be like you know what i miss when the x-men were a bunch of punk kids in the 60s and that's likely what the next x-men you know story mm-hmm. is going to be about mm-hmm. like the other the other genius thing that i like about house of x that i really like and i understand matthew's point about uh, the resurrections. That is a fair point because it does make it meaningless. But another thing that I love is the idea of these alternate lives that Moira have lived because X-Men continuity has kind of just always been a mess. <laughs> it it really is a mess. Like you're just like, what happens and how many aliens and who's from which like X-Men have more alternate future timelines than I think any other comic book characters besides mm-hmm. Doctor Who. And the thing I love about the Moira timelines is it sort of allows all of those to have been real and yet not mm-hmm. like yeah. you can kind of say that everything and every story you've ever read in X-Men has now happened because it was one of Moira's different lives. Yep. Yep. But I think they kind of hurt themselves by saying, Hey, Dr. Who you only get 11 lives. Now we need to figure out a way to give you 13 more. So, exactly. <laughs> and that's the problem that they kind of messed up in, in this, but Ashley, you had mentioned earlier that going back to the iconography and everything, that this was mm. very much like East of West did well, you, I, it also comes to mind because we like we just yeah, read yeah we just West, read it last week so. right also a Jonathan Nickman joint for those of you that don't remember I'm curious which one of the two because you were you kind of liked uh, East of West more than everyone else on the panel yeah comparing uh, East of West and House of X uh, together how do how do they sit is there one that that you lean a little bit more towards or away from oh or? I mean it's like no competition I mean House and powers, I think, is far superior. And um, I think Jonathan Hickman might be one of those creators. And I like a lot of creators who are who are in this sort of vein, like Peter Jackson. I think he needs restriction. Mm. Um, I think he needs boundaries. And I think he needs a strong hand to say, no, you can't do that. Um, because I really, really enjoy House and Powers. Uh, generally speaking, more than I've enjoyed maybe anything he's written. It's also his most recent thing, so it should be his best thing. You know, everything you do should be your your best thing because you have the weight of your entire career behind you. Um, but yeah, I mean, if 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 somebody came to me out of nowhere and said, I want to get into Jonathan Hickman, what should I read? This would absolutely be my recommendation. And not least of all, because uh these books are so beautiful. They are. They are really They're pretty. They're so I, I do like good to look at. <laughs> when when we started to go into pandemic and comic shops were starting to close and we were suggesting ways that, hey, here's how you can support your LCS during this time. I mentioned to uh, Brian Ibbett over at Coverville and in, in the morning stream. 
I said, Brian, I know you're a huge X-Men fan. You should really go and get House of X and Powers of 10. And I guess mm-hmm. the trade had just come out at the time. And he got it and he just read it and he loved it. He thought it was really good. He thought it was really pretty. Um, that was one of the buys that I think he, his COVID buy that, uh, that he really got the most out of. So this is a very, for someone who's not an X-Men fan, I really enjoyed House of X and Powers of 10. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this. I really liked the, the world building that was going on. I think we can all see the flaws. I think we can all see how this is all going to come undone. I don't know what's currently going on in the X-Men series, but uh, Hickman is still in charge of all of the the X titles, or at least the guide over all of the X titles. Uh, so I imagine some of this stuff is still playing out. But, you know, if you're all looking, is, yeah. if you're if you're looking for a book to read. And you're and this is not something that is like, oh, I've never heard of the X-Men. Who are these people? Maybe I will pick up this book. Don't pick up this book. Um, <laughs> but if you've got a passing familiarity of the X-Men, if you watch the cartoon series, if you've played the video games, if you've played, if you've read some of the comic books, I think that this is a, a series that is definitely worth, worth picking up. Jason, what about you? Uh, my entire thoughts about this series can be summed up with a quote from Cyclops from House of X, where he says, my family has spent our entire lives being hunted and hated. The world has told me that I was less when I knew I was more. Did you honestly think that we were going to sit around forever and just take it? Yeah. And to me, that is Jonathan Hickman's mission statement for this entire book, because I think he was like, I am tired of the X-Men sitting in a rich, stuffy mansion, boo-hooing about the humans outside our gate with fires and sticks and pitchforks. Yeah. Um, and he threw up the table in the air and some things have sticked and some things are still up in the air. We don't know where they're going to land five years down the road. But, um, you know, I just think I'm excited for this because the X-Men for me are always a book that should look towards the future. And I'm hoping kind of like what Matthew said earlier in the podcast, that this is kind of the basis of all X-Men runs for the 21st century. Matthew, final thoughts on house of X. I think that I disagree with you on one fundamental thing, and that is if you know the X-Men from the cartoons or the comics, or if you know the X-Men from the action figures, this is not that. This will not be that. And if you go in expecting, hey, I sure did love me some Wolverine back in 87, you're not getting that Wolverine. What you are getting is something that feels like it's designed to be a whole new be-all, end-all to All the X-Men, all the mutant stories, all the villains, all the heroes, all the guys. Basically, if it's a mutant character, they're probably a part of this mess. And that's glorious and also terrible at the same time. And if you go in trying to analyze it and say, well, does it work on the micro scale? You're probably going to be frustrated because this is a work on a macro scale. This is a whole new universe. And I'll tell you looking into the future, the point where I stopped being enamored of Hickman's run is the point where they started to try and streamline it into a regular monthly book and in the Marvel universe. So as a standalone, this is great, but don't expect your X-Men touchstones to make a lot of, or any sense in the context. I think of what, what I'm, what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about with that though, is really, if you know who Wolverine is and what his shtick is and what, you know, if you are familiar with some of the big storylines that have played out in all these different medias, you're going to understand what's going on here. It's not like, what is this guy that goes bamf and talks uh, and talks about God and stuff? I, I have no idea who this guy is. Um, yeah, that that's not that's for you. Timberwolf. 
Yes, that's exactly. Rodrigo, final thoughts from you? Um, if you are into the X-Men, it's uh, House of X is worth picking up just for uh, Pepe Larraza's art. Yes. Um, when I was getting into the X-Men, I used to basically pick up comic books just because of the art, and then I started getting into the characters. So... Um, as much as I'm like, what? I had a lot of the stuff going on here. Um, it's oh boy, really... you screwed yourself for next week, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, it, uh, it really, it really is a, a really good looking book. Um, and, uh, kind of, I, I don't know, uh, a, a real, a love letter to X-Men continuity as far as the art as well. So I definitely recommend it just on that basis. And Ashley, we are giving you the final thoughts on House of X this week. I have not been in love with an X-Men book since all new X-Men when they originally brought the original team to the future. It's been a long time since I've enjoyed an X-Book and this series tied with the sister series really enthused me and gave me a new and interesting thing to grasp on some of my favorite characters while drawing the fuzzy blue elf truly more beautiful than he has ever been (laughs) uh this is a series that i will be recommending for a long long time your mileage on the x-men ongoing series may vary but i think this book is very very special and i truly cannot recommend it more earnestly thank you jason for recommending it to me with the same enthusiasm and jason thank you so much for hanging out with us this week one more time tell people where they can find all the things that you are up to uh you can always find me everywhere around the internet at jawin that's j-a-w-i-i-n you can find the geek history lesson podcast that ashley and i co-host and that uh matthew and Steven and we got to get Rodrigo on a future episode have all been on everywhere. Some, you can someday we'll do Hellboy and that's what we've been saving Rodrigo. Oh, for. That's <laughs> what we need Rodrigo. Yeah. And uh, then you can pre-order uh Jupiter jet and the forgotten radio, Ashley and I's rocket pack adventure, which is uh, the rocketeer meets men in black uh, in at your local comic book shop right now or on Amazon or on Walmart. There you go. And if you're a fan of James Bond, especially the Timothy Dalton, James Bond, then you're definitely going to want to listen to this week's geek history lesson. Oh, it's a good one. I'm sure it is. I, it's it's I'm about three days behind on all my podcasts, so it is definitely on my list. How dare you definitely for coming up delayed in a pandemic? I know. Right. I'm, I've only got like 60 hours of podcasts to listen to <laughs> each day. Anyway, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everyone, for being part of the major spoilers experience. As always, we love your feedback, even though asking for feedback on an X-Men comic is like opening the floodgates of H-E double hockey sticks. Use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Or even better, you can send your X-Men thoughts to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. We'll be back next week. Jason will be back next week. The Powers of X, or sorry, Powers of 10 will be back next week. Why? Because we know that you love X-Men and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the ons. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way. 
made it through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.